This is the Mojo, the Meaning of Life and Business podcast, where life and business intersect. Hosted by Jennifer Glass, CEO of Business Growth Strategies International and BGSI Coaching. We are dedicated to your success. Welcome to another episode of Mojo, the meaning of life and business. On today's program, we are going to be talking about how do you know if you're the right person for a job? Are you connecting the two dots to make sure that things are going to really make sense when you have you as the person doing the job, you're bringing people in for your team or whatever it is? And I've got a really great guest on the show today who's going to be helping us figure out all of these different pieces. But before I bring Troy on, let me tell you a little bit about Troy. Troy Hippolito has been a computerized design and developer. He has proudly served in the U.S. Army. Thank you, Troy. He is a creative programmer, user interface and design uh, designer, project manager, entrepreneur, and is a single father. Troy is known as The Fixer, where he helps solve problems and helps you make things happen. Troy has previously had an award-winning agency for gamification and was lucky to develop and support interesting applications for both Fortune 500 companies and startups. From Harry Potter fan-based virtual worlds and Xbox mobile apps to Coca-Cola branded sites and other applications, Troy has used the ability to build to learn how to date properly, business dating that is, for LinkedIn. Welcome, Troy, to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Troy, you and I go back now a couple of years, actually, I think, uh, from when we first connected on LinkedIn and had a couple of chances to touch base over the years and obviously got to know each other a lot better over the last, I guess, eight months or so. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. We kind of accelerated through- our our relationship, the, the, our business relationship, the, yeah, about the last eight months. They're about, yeah. So let me ask you, Troy, though, the topic today of looking at knowing if you're the right person for a particular job. Oh. Now, a lot of people look at that and they're like, I'll take everything because <laughs> they want the business or they don't want anything because they don't want anything that's out of their norm Mm -hmm. or you have people just trying to get everything as a spray, Mm -hmm. you know, all over the place kind of method and like, sure, you know, we'll take whatever. How do you start even nailing down, I guess, if you're the person looking for the job, not the looking to do the job, but you're looking for someone to do the job for you. How do you start figuring out what kind of person or entity would be the right fit for that? Well, I do have a, a pretty large network on LinkedIn because I'm, I'm a LinkedIn guy. And so I have probably about a dozen or two individuals that specialize in different areas. So over time, I've built this network up and these individual relationships up based on uh, work going back and forth and performance. So I think the main issue is really that there's a lot of entrepreneurs 
you know, during this great resignation or whatever you want to call it, um, people are saying, yeah, I can work from home or I can have this remote office and I can do this work without going in into the office. However, a lot of times when they break up, break out on their own, uh, they forget how many hats people need to wear. And I think that is a major issue. Um, me, for example. Good old Steve Cook and Bottle Washer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so uh, when I say wearing different hats, I mean doing different jobs, right? So uh, you can do everything under the sun and get nothing done well. Um, for example, I am a designer, like a graphic designer and a UI, UX person. I'm actually an award-winning designer. I was rated number one awards for being the top website designer several years in a row. Well, you know, back back in the day for in Atlanta, I'm very good at what I do and I'm very good at everything that I do. Um, I actually, I was a programmer as well and a company owner. And also I, I help write profiles, help targeting, I help, you know, I do a lot of different things. But we really can't do all these things well in the amount of time that we have. So we have to kind of concentrate on what we're good at. And, um, and I see this in clients all the time, because you're mentioning from a client perspective, um, sometimes these small businesses, the, the client is the, the owner, the manager, you know, the salesperson, and uh, maybe you, are, you have great ethics and you're very good at getting a project done, but you're an awful uh, um, a salesperson, you know, you're not going to spend the time to build that relationship. So a lot of times you want to kind of form these partnerships in order, uh, in order to make these things happen properly. Because uh, if you do everything, if you have five or 10 jobs that do to do everything uh, under the sun, um, you're not going to be very good at anything. You know, I even know that I may be a very good designer, but I'm, I'm getting a little old uh, up in age a little bit. And I'm not going to compete with another designer that does it 50 hours a week. You know, that's not where my money comes from. Uh, my money comes from actually uh, helping that client uh, succeed in in uh, in certain parts if that makes sense at all jennifer it completely does and it's all based on the resources that you have and one of the things that i work with my clients on and helping them understand is that there's a resource triangle and mm -hmm. for those of you that are listening to this instead of watching the video the resource triangle is a three-sided triangle and it's an equilateral triangle meaning all three sides are the same. But what it is basically is you have one side is time, one side is money, and the other side is resources. Yeah. And so what you need to really figure out is if you have more time, like if you're just starting out in business, you have to use money and resources. Sorry. You yeah, need more if you time. have more time, yeah. you have money and resources to build your business. If you have the money, you probably have less time to do everything. So you mm -hmm. need to use money and, or, you know, resources and money to get you the time. And so what is it that you're doing in terms of where you're going? It's like you mentioned, if you're competing against that designer who's working for 50 hours and all they're doing is giving designs, whereas you're giving the strategy to the client to help them succeed, 
you're looking at that resource triangle the same. Mm-hmm. And it's just mm-hmm. a different way of applying what is it that you are ultimately offering. Well, and that's why a lot of entrepreneurs never get out of the entrepreneur um, mindset, because sometimes you have to switch from entrepreneur into a formal company setting. And that's when you grow. And so a lot of these entrepreneurs hit a ceiling. They hit a ceiling because they're tapped out and they're doing everything on the sun. So one thing I've done with my business is I've, I only take on certain type of clients, you know, and I have, although I can do a lot of other things, I make sure that my main, um, my main offerings are taken care of first before I do anything ancillary. For example, most of my clients says, Hey, can you help me out with a website? Well, if you're a client, I can, and that's an exception, but I don't advertise doing website development, advertising, bringing in clients through LinkedIn. You know, I, I advertise, um, helping people build better relationships, uh, and things of that nature that really helps with the, with the bottom line. If I would take on all these other things, it would hinder my ability to complete. And also there's a, there's the fact that not everyone wants to, you know, that make that magical million dollars a year, you know, that's their first goal. I want to make a million dollars a year, you know? Um, well, some people are perfectly happy making 300 K a year. It really depends on your lifestyle and what you want to do. So figuring out, um, these partnerships and, you know, if I have to wear more hats at first, because I don't have enough money and I need to take care of some of the, some of those other tasks, you want to slowly slowly can these tasks that are, are possible uh with uh with statement of work not statement of works um sops service operating procedures and actually train uh put some time into your own company so you can kind of hand that off that way you can kind of grow and in charge what you want to charge um another thing is about charging money and so people are often scared about charging what they're worth but you got to figure out that you may be a lot faster than some of your resources. Um, I'll give an example. Back in the day where I was the creative director at another company, well, several companies, before I started my own IT company, um, I learned real quick that um, I, was, I was faster than the other developers. And I could actually do the work of like five or six people. Um, but not everyone's going to able to do that. So if you're charging a service and you're handing out, uh, maybe say the copy copywriting of, of certain things, there's going to be a gap of knowledge and there's going to be back and forth. So whatever you charge has to take an account of those type of things, because that's the worth of the, the, that's the worth of what you're doing. So a lot of people are afraid of undercharging. I just feel like if you undercharge you know or you charge what you think you'll end up getting you end up shooting yourself in the foot later you know because then you'll get full you'll cap that out and then won't be able to expand you know expand on the work absolutely and i wanted to go back for a second because you mentioned um about systems Mm -hmm. and things along those lines and it's really important i mean robert kiyosaki for those of you that um, know him. He wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm-hmm. and a couple mm-hmm. of other uh, really big business books that a lot of people uh, quote on a regular basis. And one of the things that he has in the, um, I think it's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, is the cash flow quadrant. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and it's on the left side of the quadrant. It is you're an employee or you're self-employed. And so when you're on the left side, all you have is a job. You either have a job or you own a job. And you're not just, just on to the clarify right for the for the listeners. Um, if you're a, a solopreneur, you basically built your own job. <laughs> if if the company can't exist without you, you have a job, you know. So right. uh, that's what yeah, that's what you're saying, Jennifer. So so it's all about systems, and that's where the right side of the quadrant, the business owner and the investor, though, come in because mm-hmm. there's systems in place. And that's really what allows you to move forward and really start seeing the kind of growth that you have. And the other thing, Troy, that you mentioned was that people are afraid to charge what they're worth. Mm-hmm. And this is where that old example of the locksmith coming and unlocking your car and charging you $250 to unlock your car. And you're like, you were here literally 30 seconds and you're asking me to give you $250 and the locksmith is able to answer, I'm able to do it in 30 seconds because of all the years of training I have. If you yeah. were to do it, you would be taking hours to do this. So how much is your time worth and your expertise worth? And as one of my mentors always say, don't be afraid to charge what you, what you find common knowledge, mm-hmm. which may not mm-hmm. be common knowledge to others. So, that's really important in terms of what you're going at, Troy, in terms of they're afraid to charge what they're worth. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was, uh, I wouldn't say butting heads with a client today, but the client was complaining about doing some work, right? But he didn't want to hire out on it. And I asked him one simple question. I said, how much is a client worth? And he said, oh, a lot of money. I said, then you need to get it done. You know, that's it. It's, it's, it's super simple if, you know, there's an other side of that that people complain about certain bits of work, but there's also the time that, you know, as a, a entrepreneur or solopreneur, sometimes you have to do it yourself first, and then you can say, oh, this is how it works, and then how can I create a repeatable process? And I mentioned SOPs, Service Operating Procedures. Um, how can you write down this process in a document or a document that has videos that can train someone else to to do some of these tasks. Because uh, a lot of these entrepreneurs, they have seven, eight, nine, ten different hats on. And when you can remove a job, you can kind of concentrate of where where the major, you know, where the set of skills that are going to be more rare. So there's certain um, there's certain tasks that you may not be able to offhand so easy to hand off so easily. And so maybe we should kind of talk about that, that service operating procedures and, you know, maybe uh, how, to, how to train, train other people um, so, you, so you can kind of almost fire yourself off these jobs. Because at the end of the day, if you have a business, you want that business to run without you. You want to figure a way that you can push yourself out of that business because then that business is self-sufficient, it's making money. And you can go off and do everything that you want to do, you know, um, and then free your time up. Absolutely. And that's exactly the point with the systems, right? Mm-hmm. When you have the systems in place and you know how to actually have people that can take what you do and think about the fast food burger businesses, you rarely, if ever, see the owner. 
he may right. come in just to pick up the money. That may be the extent of when he's there um, or when there's a new grand opening of another mm-hmm. location. Otherwise, the owner is typically not there because you're getting the system. That's part mm-hmm. of the idea behind the franchise. You're buying the book. This is how to run the business. And right. so like you were saying, Troy, if you have people that are in a position when they come in and they say, I want to do this and I want to be in a position to not be in the office and have my team doing it, mm-hmm. that's where those standard operating procedures are really going to come into play. Because Yeah, it we, yeah and you're talking about systems. Uh, well, let's take LinkedIn, for example. Um, people frown on, you know, certain types of automation which are bad. You don't want to stack messages because it's spam. So LinkedIn is really about being personable, you know, being that human. But how do you shortcut that, you know, shortcut the process to kind of build a relationship quickly? Well, you may have a day-to-day routine and that in itself is a system. So what do I have working out that's automatically? And then what do I have to do in there in order to convert into, you know, generating meetings, for example? And it could be something as simple as instead of, um, you know, instead of trying to uh, connect with someone and have a low connection rate or whatever it is and trying to, to draw a business that way, uh, you know, the, the common sales principles still apply. Uh, you need X amount, of, X amount of touch points. So if your goal is to have X amount of touch points, um, what it doesn't mean is to spam them on LinkedIn. <laughs> you don't want to spam a message after message. That's not what these touch points mean. But uh, these people may post, for example. And if they're posting, they may get engagement. And if you engage in their post, um, that is adding to these touch points. So if you create a day-to-day process of saying, okay, in this one hour, I'm doing A, B, and C to build these relationships to convert better. Um, it's always a good thing. And then you get a routine and you find out what works better doing this versus that and doing your AB testing. So if you engage in a post uh, and you say you engaged in two of these individual posts in a week, uh, you looked at the post, that's a touch point. You liked the post, that's a touch point. You put a, uh, you put a note on there, you know, a thoughtful comment on there, right? Uh, and, the, and the writer, which is your prospect, replies back and that's that's four touch points and you do that twice in a week that's eight touch points and then uh you may the following week send a connection request saying hey i enjoyed the the post that you did about a b and c if it's worthwhile feel free to connect and then you have a commonality it's like yeah i remember that guy oh yeah he had some pretty good uh information that he's he sent back i think i can connect with him so it boosts your connection rate from your 15 to 20 percent all the way to 85 percent chance of doing that and not only uh he looked at your uh looked at your invite uh he clicked to agree on the invite and then uh you and there's also another side effect you've moved the relationship all the way down the line so instead of being this new connection that he's scared that you may spam him you are a familiar person to a certain point and then you said, okay, how can I move this along? I have connected with this person. I create the system. You know, we're talking about systems to, uh, and I connected with this person. What's the next step? Well, it depends on the industry, but 
One good way is just to use your your mobile app, your LinkedIn mobile app, and then just send a welcome video. So using the tools properly, and they say, well, what's a welcome video? Well, it's not selling. It's actually welcome them, welcoming them, welcoming them to the network and saying thanks, you know, like a real person. And so what happens is they see the video and they say, oh, this is not a robot. This is a real person speaking to me. Oh, he's thanking me for connecting and he's talking about my profile or he's talking about something he saw on his profile. So he's connecting the dots in the conversation. He's not talking about his business now. There's no selling involved. But he says, well, you know, if you like, if you have a moment, feel free to take a look at my profile. And if you see any dots to connect, send me your booking link. And it puts the onus on them. So that's a back and forth exchange that's, a, that's very natural. One third of the people who see my videos book a meeting. And so you have to have systems in place that convert in a more human way. Uh, um, so uh, whether if other people are doing it as well, um, you can create SOPs or, or procedures for your salespeople to kind of follow the same method. And on LinkedIn, you don't need a lot of volume. You know, these are high, high ticket items. And so if you're only closing like me, for example, I need to close one client a month. That's it because it's compound. And I have other revenue resources like uh, the courses and my show and all that stuff. But you have to figure out what's reasonable. Do I want to send a thousand people a bunch of junk emails and see who, who picks up? Or do I want to build a relationship? Because if they pick up on a product and they're really happy with you, the chances of upselling increases quite, quite drastically, or the chances of them being so happy, they send recommendations works really, really well, you know, so building relationships with systems is probably, um, I think the most important thing you really want to do on LinkedIn. And it's really important. It's all relationships, like you're saying, it's mm -hmm. not all about selling. I mean, the sell, sales come because of the involvement and the relationship that's there, that know, like, and trust factor. But too many people, again, go and do the, uh, I'm going to spam a thousand people and go in and hope that they're going to actually be getting people to say, yes, I want to have a conversation with you. When you were mentioning just earlier about the you comment on posts and things along those lines, I know there's several people that have done that to me and I see what they're doing in the conversation, but they're like, thanks for sharing, Jennifer, or great insights, Jennifer. It's not really a mm -hmm. personalized comment. Mm -hmm. Like it could have just been a bot that's going, here's the people I want using Sales Navigator and then finding just type some sort of generic comment and then yeah, humans are really good later. at pointing, figuring out who's, who's BSing you or not, you know? And so you can pick up on this etiquette. Um, even if people are replying back to you, uh, I did a post, I think on Monday and it was a poll and what I would do, everyone else was saying, I wouldn't do that, you know? And uh, so I have two like kind of partners, uh, uh, Ed Fertow and, and Jean-Michel. One's a LinkedIn guy, one's an email guy. And Ed is like what we call a hard ass, right? He's like really, he's like straight to the point. And then Jean-Michel is very, very kind person, right? I'm in the middle. 
right? So, so I don't put up with so much BS until I kind of move on because I don't have all day and stuff like that. And uh, I was in, in the scenario of, in the scenario, I was in the middle of um, replying to uh, LinkedIn DM. And this lady said, um, yeah, I'd love to have a meeting. I've wrapped up my stuff already. And uh, if you can just book some time, I said, you know, I want to learn about some of these building relationship techniques or whatever, right? Whatever it was. And uh, I said, sure, I booked a time. I said, well, if you want to talk about, you know, these things, I did a post relating to that, right? And then she wrote back, no, in capital letters, um, please don't send me this kind of information. Thank you, right? And so the, the post was like, well, what would you do in this situation, right? And uh, most of them said, well, just reply back and, and then maybe resolve it after the meeting. I'm not like that at all. If, if there are communications issues right then and there, that bad at that first, after you asked me to, to book a meeting and all that stuff, and, and even if it's a mistake, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the thought process of I like to avoid um, trouble clients, you know, or trouble relationships. And I say, wow, if you're gonna make a mistake, you know, like this, you're gonna make a lot of mistakes during our relationship. And I got a bunch of other people that I can talk to that won't won't give me problems. And so a lot of these things are really the tone of communications. Like you said for the posts, um, the tone of how we're 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 talking. So the conversation or the ask should be equal to the relationship you know so that's why it's so odd for me when someone first connects with you and they just give you their booking link or they give you um some what they call value and they give you a, a pdf or some form to fill out <laughs> like i want to spend 15 minutes on a form you know uh to help you out because i don't know you and so i think that's kind of weird and I don't understand why a lot of people don't get it. And, but there's cultural differences too, of course. Um, and there's old school business tactics versus um, old school um, relationship techniques, you know? And, and I think it's, it's quite funny. And as LinkedIn gets more and more popular with, uh, I think, I wanna say over 700 million, million members on it, um, it, it just gets a little more wackier all the time on the communication platform. It's definitely one of those more interesting platforms. And I mean, I have totally been spammed on the platform um, in multiple ways. Uh, <laughs> the first is the obvious before you even in the invite um, message, rather in the invite message, when someone is reaching out and saying, Hey, this is what I offer. I'd love to be connected. <laughs> I don't care what you offer before I even understand <laughs> they, who you they are. They even give you pricing on the welcome, the, uh, the connection message. <laughs> you know what? I've actually gotten one that said I can do it for $95 a month. Do what? I don't you're care, like, like, I don't I don't care what, what you're, you're offering for $95 a month. I mean, <laughs> if I wanted to work with you, I'm yeah. going to say it makes sense. But yeah. if it doesn't, if you're charging you know, ninety five dollars a month, you shouldn't be on LinkedIn, though. I'm just telling you, that's not enough money to do. 
<laughs> so no, no, the, the, I wouldn't do that, you know. Um, I, I think less quantity and more quality is what people seek out on on LinkedIn. Um, I do think, though, sometimes it really depends on your strategy. And I'll give you an example. Um, say, like I have a show, right? And say I want to find um, people to be qualified to speak on my show, right? It's not hard for me because a lot of people, they, they want to speak on the show um, because, uh, you know, if I have a meeting with them, I, I know it's a good fit. But say you didn't have time, right? And you need this mechanism, right? The system to do it. And, uh, and you need to figure out the, the vet it. Well, that may be one way to do it in the connection message because you might not want to talk to them on LinkedIn. You might want to pull them off saying, hey, um, we're looking for host for our, or guest for our show. And if you think it was, you know, if it, you, I said, if you think it's a good fit, you know, um, you know, connect with me or let me know, or there's a link in there, you know. And so in that one case, it may make sense because you'll read it like, oh, yeah, I do want to be a host. I, I, they'll look at them like, oh, I want to be a host on the show. And they'll go straight to the form, you know. But that's a very particular example on that. Um, I always believe that connection messages should be really simple um, and it shouldn't be complicated because a lot of technical people are complicated. You know, they, they do 10 different things. They want these choices. But typical people, you only really want to reduce the amount of choices uh, to make the decision really easy for them. Um, so I always opt to have a super simple connection message or something that's going to be align with your personality. So my connection message is quite funny, I, I think, because I have a dry sense of humor. But uh, I tell them, um, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, um, connecting with me in the link to the land of link. No, thanks for meeting me on the land of LinkedIn. Um, I'm quite nerdy. Uh, so it can come in handy. Uh, so feel free to connect. If not, it's okay. I don't have feelings anyway. Right. And I get such a high, high acceptance rate from that because I'm just, uh, I'm just me. So I'm not super serious. And I think that people should have, you know, um, somewhat open conversations and they should have a hint of your personality. So I would think it all depends on your, your business strategy, you know, and then how can you take your personality and create, create a brand around it and attract the right people on LinkedIn? Absolutely. I mean, when you were talking about the invitations that were inviting you to be host, as an example, mm -hmm. I do a lot of speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I got a couple of invites that were, hey, we're doing a live program in New York City in October. We're doing a summit. We'd like you to be one of our presenters. And like you were saying in that regard, the invitation was actually the first thing that would really make that difference mm -hmm. in terms of saying, yes, this is going to make sense or no, it's not the right fit in terms of even the audience uh, for what that engagement may be. But it's really like you're saying, connecting in some manner, shape or form with the people that you are connecting with. And one of the things that I've done is I actually try in the beginning and see if I can find some sort of rapport mm -hmm. before anything else. And mm -hmm. here's a perfect example. There was a, 
uh, gentleman who happened to be an Aflac agent, mm-hmm. and he lives in within a 50-mile uh, radius of me. And I was looking at his profile, and I said, yeah, he's talking all about the New York Jets. And so I wrote him, and I said, my brother and sister-in-law are big New York Jets fans Mm -hmm. growing up in the area, Mm -hmm. knowing the Jets and them never winning and whatever else. (laughs) You know, there's a lot that I can certainly Yeah, you brought him a little trauma, I see. (laughs) But... It was the connection because he was yeah. talking that he loves the Jets and everything, and being in that position to really connect personalized then the mm-hmm. relationship. And so off the bat, there's that relationship. Mm-hmm. And we quickly met for lunch, and we're in a position where we can cross refer business a lot easier mm-hmm. because we understand each other in a different light as opposed to more of the colder kinds of messages. And I mean, there's one uh, gentleman, um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but it was the whole ferret uh, story. And he's really big on Facebook. Mm. Um, I'm just blanking on his name. He's based out of the UK and his whole thing is the ferret. Uh, That was one of the things he's really known for. Okay. I have no idea what you're talking about, but. Okay. But it's (laughs) wacky messaging. It's, you know, he came up with it one night when he was drunk and it's basically Mm -hmm. the drunk ferret idea. Um, John something, I think his name is, and I'm just blanking on it. Um, Really annoying because I have his templates. Um, I actually bought it from him and I'm just completely blanking. But anyway, so the idea, though, really is when you think about the kinds of connections and the kinds of things that you're throwing out and I've seen his stuff come to me in invites um, and I'm like, all right, that's this guy's stuff because you kind of realize pretty quickly exactly mm-hmm. what the various template yeah. is, right? Yeah. Um, and so a lot of these different pieces are designed to elicit a response. Like you're saying, um, thanks for meeting me in the land of LinkedIn. I am kind of nerdy and I've got no feelings, so don't worry if you don't want to connect. Kind of goes in line with what his whole idea mm-hmm. is with that self-deprecating humor, things like that. And it starts to connect with people mm-hmm. because it elicits an emotion. And yeah, I actually are- had, um, I had some um, females saying, uh, this, does this self-deprecating message actually work for you? I feel so sorry for you. But then they connect with me still. <laughs> it's funny. They're like, they, they, they like, they actually, they actually tear me down, but I'm gonna connect with them anyway. So, uh, regardless if you feel bad for me, don't feel bad for me, you know, but regardless of how you feel about me, you're, there's going to be a high probability you're going to want to, you want to connect with me. Um, uh, the other thing is that, um, people like you said, they want to connect with people that, you know, have some commonality or they feel like they trust, um, the profile LinkedIn profile is a big deal to tell your story and you can add a little funny bits in there. So when they dive into it and they look at it again, like, oh, that's kind of funny or that's interesting. And so I put personal details, nothing too damaging, you know, like uh, um, I do believe in showing the scars, but not the wounds. And there's a big difference. People get, you know, people get confused with that. 
But I tell them that I was in the army. I tell them I was a developer. I tell them I was a single dad. You know, I, I want them to see that I'm a real person. And I want to tell them I have the story that I had problems dating, like literally, because I had a type A traits and I used to go after it and be very direct about it. And a lot of my corners were kind of rough, if you will. And I had to learn how to date. And I translated that on LinkedIn terms, you know, and they, they get it. They can understand the story. It's like um, people want to hear a good story. And people say, well, they don't read that. I said, not everyone, but the buyers do. The ones that are buying do. So they said the LinkedIn profile is 70% visual. It is. That's the first thing that brings them in. But that story is the ones that actually capture people in order to convert. Um, he, you know, in, in, here, in, here in America, and imagine everywhere else too, they want to hear an inspirational story. Like, I was living in my car, now I make a million dollars. How did he get from homeless into a car to making a million dollars? People love a success story. And that will allow people to, um, you know, get, uh, get a better rapport. Like you were meeting, you're meeting that individual and he's getting to know you. So for all your salespeople out there, I would say that, you know, um, have your network so you can help others just achieve their goals first. And that network is going to refer business back to you. Build that team up, even if they're not in your, you know, uh, even if they're not in your company, you know, if, if you, if you can't serve this individual, you um, yourself, you want to have a way to, to help them. Um, because when you set those thoughts, those thought, the thought patterns with that, they come back, you get residual business from your, from your, you know, strategy partners, and the individuals that you help, they remember you. And so they can run referrals. And referrals are half of my business. It's much easier for someone else to toot your horn than you to, to toot your own horn. And so a lot of these old school sales guys, they really need to figure out how do I connect the dots, create systems that will will build uh, this rapport. Um, and the litmus test is, um, uh, you know what a litmus test is, right? It's that piece of paper, you check that, the, the amount of acid or whatever, whatever, I don't even know what it is, but you, you check that. Um, the litmus test uh, to see if you're in good graces is, would I, ha would I go and have a beer or a drink with this person at a bar? You have to think about that. During COVID times, uh, during these times, you just don't wanna have a, you know, spend your time on a weirdo and going out to a bar, you know, because once you decide mentally, like, yeah, I could hang out with this person, I could talk to them. If they went out to a bar to have a drink with you, they're gonna talk business to talk personal. So they have to know like and trust you enough to engage with you in that manner so that's where the people need to be in that zone of uh, of uh, um they trust you enough they know you enough uh, in order to kind of go on the next level and then i think troy is a perfect segue to talking about your linkedin accelerator program so you've got your LinkedIn Accelerator program and the pilot uh, program that you're currently launching. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so um, I'll start backwards. We just did a soft launch for the LinkedIn pilot program um, because I want to help the people that need the services done for them to a certain extent. 
and really, really accelerate what they're doing. But I also want to find a way to uh, help individuals like a lot of these coaches that don't have a large budget and they want to do some of the things themselves and guide. So, uh, so uh, with guide, with, with guidance, excuse me. So the LinkedIn accelerator program is it's wrapped up for you. It, um, we, we build the profile from top to bottom SEO, um, visual story, you name it. And so Google has searched the entirety of LinkedIn, you know, and so you want to be SEO compliant. You want to set up where, you have the highest chance of people accepting your invite. So we start with profile on, and this is the accelerator program, excuse me. Um, then we actually help you with your targeting. Then we help you with your initial messaging. And the fourth is we give you a day-to-day -day process so you can get in and out of LinkedIn and convert those uh, individuals that you are talking to into actual relationships. So it's a whole system. Uh, we even have a linked CRM in there that allows you to accelerate some of those areas. Um, but we also we always um, emphasize and we design it where you can personally engage. So that's the accelerator program. Uh, some people say, well, I would only pay X amount. And I always ask them, how much is your client worth? You know, and, and that usually resolves the issue of, you know, paying for to do these systems. Now, the pilot program we just, just launched is consultation. Um, they come to me, they say, Troy had a question the other day, how do I set up a LinkedIn event? How do I set up properly so I can build an email list? How do I grow my LinkedIn event? You know, they have a very particular use case. And I tell them, I said, well, depending on your industry, okay, uh, this is what you're doing. All right, so this is how I would do it. These are the buttons I would click and then they do it. You know, Troy, what's wrong with my profile? Or Troy, how do I figure out, how do I fix this search? Or what, your, what would your strategy be around this business in general? And so that's a, a low dollar way of getting started, um, getting expert help, uh, but doing a lot of things yourself. So those are the two programs. Thank you. And how would people get more information on the accelerator or the pilot program? Oh, they can simply book some time with me. If they go to my uh, um, number one, feel free, to, feel free to connect to me. So just put my first and last name on LinkedIn and I'll show up. Um, my last name's Hippolito. That's my, my father's fault. <laughs> He's Filipino. I got teased as a little kid. I'm supposed to be fat, but I'm not. So it's Troy Hippolito. That's H-I-P-O-L-I-T-O -I -I on LinkedIn. And for the website, it's thetroyagency.com. And there's a big blue button there. So just book some time with that. Um, usually 15 minutes kind of makes sense. Um, and then I'll answer your questions. Thank you. And so it's really important as you look at what it is you're doing on LinkedIn. Remember relationships as the very first thing yes. that you need to be working on. When people, as Troy said, know, like, and trust you, there's a much better chance at them wanting to do business with you as opposed to the, well, I'm really not sure exactly where we're going. And oh. so it's really important to remember relationships are key, as in life. As I have said multiple times, one of my uh, mentors has said it um, as well, it really comes down to looking at it in this perspective. If a woman is sitting in a coffee shop, and a guy comes up to her and says, marry me, complete stranger. She's going to look at him like he's got two heads, throw her mm -hmm. drink at him, 
or slap him in the face, laugh at him and walk away. He's a creep. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that in business either. I'm not ready to sign. I don't care if it's $10 or if it's $10,000, if I don't even know who you are. If I go into the supermarket and I see something, yes, I understand I'm in the supermarket, $10, I'm going to potentially buy it as an impulse buy. But it's not going to be something if you're coming up to me and saying it's $10. And so there's a very different way of doing business in whatever manner you're doing. And it's all about relationships. It's about understanding how to connect the dots as we started this conversation on Mm -hmm. How do you build the relationship? How do you keep moving forward so that you are going to be seen as an expert by the person that you're speaking with and a reason why they should want to have at least a conversation with you to learn more? Again, the the, uh, solution to a problem they have and don't want, or rather the solution they want and don't have, or the problem they have and don't want. When you are in a position to answer those and how your profile is addressing it, the messaging you have addresses it, and also if you take conversations off of LinkedIn, have it that it's pretty clear it's a fluid conversation. So I'm moving, following up from our LinkedIn conversation, I thought it would be easier here on email. Keep it easy for people so that people understand it's still a single flow of information It's not a bunch of different disjointed uh, pieces. And so if your name on LinkedIn is not matching the name that's getting the email, it's going to confuse people. So think about that if you're having the sales manager or the VP of sales is the one who's sending out all the emails, but it's you trying to do that connection, it's really important. Everything has to flow through the same. And so as we think about what it is that you're doing, it's really important Think how you're going to be seen by your prospect. Yes, and I, reach I will out add to, to that as well because uh, let's just look at my area, LinkedIn. There's a lot of LinkedIn guys, right? So branding, of course, is very important. I, I'm known as a not so boring LinkedIn guy, right? And I add little weird stuff in there, like you know they have the little thing after your name where it says he, him, he. So you, you whatever you identify as, right? Um, on my whatever I identify as, I put five foot six, identify as six foot five. <laughs> and, <on> there, <laughs> and I do it because it's, it, there's a business application on it, you know, it is, oh, he's, he's big time then. That's he, that's it, it, and, and they want to look, and people don't even see that, but once they do, they like me a little more. And so if they had all these LinkedIn guys in there, why am I getting all these meetings? You know, what, why, cause they have to think, how am I standing out as a person? You know, can I have a beer with this guy? You know, uh, um, does he understand what I need? You know, uh, is he going to be honest? You know, because if you're not the right fit, I'm not, I'm not going to pick you up as a client, you know? So I take all those things in consideration. Um, um, so building personal uh, relationships um, really make a big difference because if there's 10 other people that do what you do and one person likes you, the, the conversion rate is, I mean, the possibility for them to select you over other people are pretty high. And that's how you actually generate business. I still love that five, six identify as six, five. 
that is you never saw that before have you so it's a and you can put little things like that as talking points you know my last uh it company uh, my mother's from switzerland and my father's filipino so i'm half asian right so um i used to my last company i was the number one swiss Filipino game designer in the world that was my literal my literal pickup line at the bars <laughs> and it's so true and so you have to kind of not be so tight even if you're super nerdy and stuff like that you have to have uh um a sense of flow you know a, a sense of humor to you you know you you want people to, to you know you don't have to have a lot of friends but you want people to like you enough to deal with you you know so if you are um the individual that's so tight all the time and that doesn't want to give out anything you're gonna have a hard time on linkedin um one quick example i know we're running out of time i had a cpa i have a lot of not a lot of cpas i have some cpas as clients right and um and he was so stiff he was from the uk moved to the midwest he would do the videos like this turn sideways and it, was, it used to piss me off because he wouldn't look at me in the face right and uh, even if he has uh, Asperger's or whatever you have, look at people in the face when you're talking. Of course, if you might, you know, look around and stuff like that. And uh, I said, you know, um, you, he didn't like the messaging. And he said in his accent, oh, the messaging is not good because the, the clients would fire me if they saw me. I said, no, they wouldn't. I said, look, um, let's be honest what your brand is, right? You're a CPA and uh, you're not very funny. You're dry as toast. That's what I told him, right? He got really pissed off. He's what, what? I said, you are dry as toast, but that should be your superpower. Who wants a fun CPA? No one wants a fun, someone's going to play around your money. No, they want someone serious. I said, but you can have dry jokes or you can speak in a certain way. I said, that's your brand. I said, you could kill it. And he did not like that because he, he was so stiff that he couldn't see, he couldn't see the positive and opening up a little bit, you know, it's because, because, uh, so, uh, so if you are not willing to have a little personality in, you know, in dealing with people, uh, you're going to have a hard time. That's just the, uh, that's just the, the crux of it. Funny you mentioned the so stiff and the first one that came to mind is a former vice president of ours, um, who was constantly, um, ride it on by the late night comedians, especially uh, for being so stiff and everything. But it's really, I mean, the idea is there. And the more that you can embrace, the more that you can really look at what is it that you're doing is going to make a lot of sense in terms of saying, yes, this is exactly uh, what I am and use it. One of my mentors, he is 5'3". So the joke that he uses is he's one of the shortest guys out there. And, yeah. you know, if he's wearing a good pair of shoes, maybe he's 5'4". And <laughs> it's just... I'm 5'8 yeah, with, with the hair. So I'm actually like 5'7 or 5'8. But on my little thing, it wouldn't make sense because it wouldn't match up. So I said 5'6", identify as 6'5". I needed to kind of reverse it. So it doesn't have right. to be 100% true. It just has to flow well and kind of make someone smile like, oh, it's kind of funny, you know? And so he was the shortest, what was it? What was the um, his tagline? 
Um, now I'm blanking on exactly the tag, but you know he is one of the shortest um, Canadian hockey player. I, there's a whole bunch of different things, but you know the shortest guy, um, brilliant coach. I mean, he's one of my mentors, and I mm. look at him for so much advice and help, and he's uh, really involved a lot in terms of what I do. But uh, in terms of the whole idea, though, use what you have to really help you. And where appropriate, it really can be the difference between making that connection and losing a connection. Because people are looking at, in the world of hyper-competition that we're dealing with, how am I going to connect with you a little bit more? And those small things do make a difference. Think about your car. Did you care if there was an extra cup holder? I mean, that little thing can make a difference of you buying the car or not. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, if you've got the kids in the back and you have three cup holders in the back, you're going to be a lot better than if there's only two when you have potentially three kids in the back of the car. And so when you look at what is there, those little things really start making a difference. The same is true in business, whether it's on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on other social platforms as well. It's really what are you doing to make that difference, to mm-hmm. connect and get that know, like, and trust for the relationship that is going to help you. On that note, Troy, thank you so much for being my guest today. I thank think you. that you provided a tremendous amount of value for our listeners. And again, if you are listening, <clears throat> the contact information for Troy is going to be in the description for this episode. But definitely reach out to Troy, schedule a time to speak with him, reach out on LinkedIn, say you heard about Troy on the Mojo podcast, and I really want to know how you're going to make a difference. Until next time, though, this has been another episode of Mojo, The Meaning of Life and Business, and here's to your success. This has been another episode of Mojo, The Meaning of Life and Business podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review, liking us, or reaching out to us. You can contact us at bgsicoaching.com and let us know what you think. Thanks so much again for listening.